This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of April 2nd, 2022. Stone v. Keystone is over already. I'm sorry, France. It's like something is changing your climate. A distributor is getting sued for antitrust, but they worked so hard to be one. This new whistle peg whiskey is definitely not bourbon. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. And let's get straight into the news. Stone Brewing awarded $56 million in trademark lawsuit against Keystone's, uh, Keystone Lights, quote, stone cans, end quote. Uh, after years of legal wrangling, California craft brewery Stone has won its lawsuit against beer giant Molson Coors. We're pulling this from Food and Wine. Uh, but though the jury's decision was unanimous, the victory wasn't necessarily everything Stone may have hoped for. Uh, on Friday, an eight-person jury ordered that Molson Coors maker Keystone Light Beer to pay Stone Brewing $56 million in damages, agreeing that Keystone, uh, the Keystone brand had indeed infringed on Stone's trademark when its beer name was shortened to Stone in its advertising on it and on its packaging. Uh, however, uh, in ending the three-week trial, three weeks does not seem long enough for this, but okay, uh, the San Diego jury also decided that the infringement was not committed purposely, according to Reuters. Uh, the ruling fell short of the $216 million Stone Brewing was seeking. They were really counting on that to shore up some uh, budget <laughs> shortfalls, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, still, Stone framed the ruling as a major underdog victory for America's ninth largest craft brewery going up against a com- competitor that produces about 200 times the amount of beer that they did in 2020. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh Oh, uh, Greg Cook's on uh, quoted saying, "This is a historic day for Stone Brewing and for the craft beer industry. Molson Coors threatened our heritage, and we stood up to that threat. And we'll put the key back in Keystone, ending their hostile four-year co-op of the Stone name. Tears to our legion- legions of fans, friends, and supporters who believed in the good that craft beer brings. This is your win too. Look, while I, while I in fact do enjoy craft beer." I was not rooting for Stone in this. I thought they were being overly litigious, and it yeah. is. I, I have a deep down feeling that they they got more money from this lawsuit than they've gotten from sales this year. <sighs> yeah. It makes me not want to buy Stone, honestly. <laughs> I'm just, like, so annoyed with them at this point. And when you know how out there they are, like, they are, if anyone has Stone in their name, they're throwing lawsuits mm-hmm. around because there was that little... Little Kentucky Brewery in Moorhead. It was yeah. like Stone Mill, and they got a cease and desist from Stone. Just stupid. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, Molson Corps spokesperson Marty Maloney uh, used the state uh, decision as an opportunity to take another swipe at Stone, insinuating the smaller brewery had other motives for the lawsuit. What we learned throughout this through this trial is that Stone Brewing's lawsuit was not driven by customer confusion and that Stone's Brewing has a $464 million debt to pay their private equity investors in 2023. Ouch. Mm. 
he was quoted as uh, saying that anyway. Uh, in a statement to Courthouse News, he added, uh, "There are several defen- uh, defenses that will be resolved by the court, and we are evaluating our options for appeal." Uh, but in celebrating the win, Stone CEO Maria Stipp uh, continued to push the case for her company made throughout the trial that the stone wasn't just in damage uh, was wasn't just damaging but purposeful. From the moment our team saw Keystone's uh, intentional theft of stone trademarks, we believed this day would come. She said, "We are committed to doing everything in our power to protect the incredible reputation of Stone Brand and the passionate team who built it." Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they're they're. <laughs> yeah, that the, the thing is, like, they won, and all I can think of is, and how long before the appeal starts? It probably already has. <laughs> Paperwork was already filed, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, it's. I don't know. Uh, they have a loose case. You can uh, listen to us over the last four years. You'll know our opinions on this. They do have a case where it's like, yeah, if the can sits a certain way. It just says stone. Yeah. And maybe there's a small chance some someone could get confused because people are dumb. However, it doesn't look like any of the rest of their their stuff. Yeah. So that's the other part. It's like he's like, Stone, when do you release a solid blue can? Like you know, everything you've got is some sort of black and you know, other color. Like it's a get, gargoyle on it or <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I would say at least it's over, but it's never over. Uh, let's let's go on to some 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 more pleasant news. Let's uh, uh, what's going on in France? I bet they've got got good things, right? Well, uh, we have the entire grape harvest uh, under threat again. Uh, France is bracing for devastating frosts. Last year, frost wreaked so much havoc on French vineyards that what uh, eventuated was the smallest harvest in half a century. And it could happen again. Awesome growers uh, worry, as I said awesome, <laughs> as some growers. <laughs> my, my brain I mean, you know. was like, let's just put a W right there. It's like, Your what? brain said awesome, less wine I have to deal with. But uh, growers worry that history might repeat. Producers elsewhere in Europe and further afield are also facing new challenges that include war, oversupply, and basketballers. Okay. Let's take a look at some of the weeks. Uh, this is about all the wine stories. We don't care about the basketballers. We care about France on frost alert this weekend. This is from winesearcher.com. Exactly one year on from the devastating spring frost of 2021, France was once again bracing for a cold snap over the weekend with potential frost nights forecast for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night across the country. According to models posted by French meteorologists, only the west of the country uh, covering Bordeaux, Cognac, and western... uh, Loire? 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 I don't know. Yeah. Uh, And the very southern regions of province and the Logendoc... Rosilian? I don't know. Are set to avoid the frost. Oh, well. The Bordeaux and Cognac are all fine. However, the well, col- Cognac was probably going to be fine anyway. They're just going to turn that into even harsher alcohol. So. Yeah. 
However, the cold snap is unlikely to be quite as devastating as that of 2021. While buds have burst on the vines in some areas, the country has not experienced the same level of warmth weather as it had last year. Most of it is still in cotton, meaning the new growth had not yet burst from the buds. One I'm really way- glad they had that descriptor there because I was thinking like, uh, what? Is there something about wine growing I don't know? Yeah. Uh, one wine grower in Givry told Wine Searcher, uh, and we we pruned late this year so we shouldn't get frosted. Late pruning has been one of the tactics recommended and often used to delay early wine growth in order to better weather the spring frost season. However, other factors also hampering potential frost fighting efforts, according to the French Wine News uh, website, Vitasphere. Yeah. Uh, growers have seen insurance costs go up since 2021. Well, yeah. And agricultural <laughs> diesel, uh, the key fuel in frost fighting pots and minor environmental disasters. It's hard to come by uh, due to the energy crisis provoked by the conflict in Ukraine. Mm. Northern France hasn't been uh, through bud burst yet, said Zaka. <laughs> He added that risk factors in early budding varieties uh, was high in the Loire Valley. Yeah, uh, with 20 to 30% damage than in... We're just, like, dragging me through the mud. You say all these French words. Uh, in Beaujolais, the one I can say, <laughs> uh, for Bordeaux and Cognac, there's a lower risk with the Atlantic coast less likely to be hit but towards the eastern areas around 30 to 40 percent of potential losses 30 to 40 percent of loss in your wine yields that's That's massive yeah yeah. i mean to put that in perspective imagine you had a sandwich and i came by and took out like two big heaping bites out of that you'd be very disappointed with the rest of this sandwich (laughs) yeah yeah uh, I like the uh, the bottom quote here. It says, nothing left to do but light the frost pots and a votive. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a picture in this, at the top of this. And I don't know if it was like this year's or last year's, but it's just like everyone's starting up the fires to keep their... Yeah, it shows the frost pots, and it looks like you're like, is this a scene out of the Lord of the Rings that I missed? <laughs> it looks like it could be like some sort of festival, like, you know, some sort of lantern festival, and it's just like, you know, they're everywhere, like, oh... How pretty. Oh, oh, it's not meant to. Oh. It's not meant to be pretty. It's meant to save the grapes. Yeah. All right. Well, um, in in uplifting news. <laughs> I was going to say, no transition for this. Uh, yeah. So we have some fun antitrust news. Yeah. <laughs> news. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's like a legal train. Um, so this was... Uh, well, it was written on the 30th, but it mentions stuff that happened on the 29th. I just want to keep all of this in context because April Fool's Day is a real thing, and we want to... <laughs> Made it extremely difficult to find <laughs> we, news stories. We want to make sure that we are not <laughs> kidding. There, were, there might have been a potential news story. We just went, nope, can't trust it. Yeah. So, uh, Provi, I think is how you say it. I'm not sure. Uh, the fastest growing e-commerce marketplace for the beverage alcohol industry yesterday, so the 29th, uh, filed a complaint in federal court in Illinois against Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits and Republic National Distributing Company, the two largest wine and spirits distributors in the U.S. Uh, the complaint that um, 
which was filed uh, in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Illinois, uh, seeks treble damages. Treble? Really? Treble damages and injunctive relief arising from federal and state antitrust violations and torturous... Tor- tortious? Tor- how, what the... Tortious. Uh, in, in terms of, like, you know, there's there's issues with, like, tort law, not uh, not that it's being tortured. I mean, you know, uh, but they feel tortured. Uh, interference. So, unlawful efforts by Southern and RNDC designed to stifle competition from Pro-V and maintain or enhance their respective monopoly power in the relevant markets for online alcohol marketplaces, search and display advertising on alcohol, and data analytics services in certain states. So uh, the complaint is the first of its kind after uh, Biden signed, President Biden signed the executive order on promoting competition in the American economy. And this was as of uh, July 2021. So it included the directive for the Secretary of the Treasury in coordination with the uh, FTC and the Department of Justice to produce a report assessing the threats to competition and barriers to new entrants in beer, wine, and spirits. Like a very specific <laughs> arena <laughs> that happened. Um, but yeah, so uh, in this report, um, they identified large distributors like Southern R&DC as threats to fair competition, stating that, quote, Distributors with a larger national footprint may be able to leverage their size and enter exclusive agreements with producers that tend to push out smaller competitors. No, really? The devil you say. I say everyone in the past X number of years of history has been like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Southern R&DC's violations of the antitrust laws include... Blocking and rejecting orders for their wine and spirits products that retailers choose to communicate through Provi. Boycotting Provi by forcing or coercing retailers not to use Provi. And in the case of Southern, forcing retailers to use Southern's own e-commerce marketplace by requiring all online sales to come through their own online marketplace. Yeah, that's pretty shady um, for all of them. So, um... There's, there's a lot of quotes here from, from kind of both parties, I believe, uh, but th- they have a nice little highlights from the complaint area here. So Southern sent letters to and left voicemails to retailers stating, quote, uh, it will no longer accept orders transmitted by third-party e-commerce platforms or services such as Provi, 750, or others. That's nice. Um <laughs> Then uh, the general counsel for the RNDC conveyed to Provi that uh, they will continue to promote and steer our customers toward using our own e-commerce platforms and away from Provi. I feel like, in the, like Provi is just sitting over there like, the F did we do? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Well, cut into probably some of their profits, yeah, but Provi still. Yeah, Provi stepped in and yeah, but like, well, we're just going to shave a couple pennies off the top of this. and Yeah. It's just... Wow, it's a lot of stuff. It just reminds me, like, because, I mean, I follow the, the tech news, and it just reminds me of, like, literally every Apple or Google or Meta, you know, Meta lawsuit that's happened ever. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just... Turns out competition is great, except people in that industry don't want to do it. <laughs> they want to be the only existing entity. I mean, your job gets a lot easier if you're the only one, if you're the only game in town, yeah, you don't have to change how you do things. 
that point, you just sit back and let the money roll in. Oh, this is great. Uh, so the last thing on here, a Southern sales representative admitted that Southern's decision to reject orders that retailers communicated through third party um, marketplaces was, quote, the pinnacle of stupidity <laughs> <laughs> and motivated by an effort to force our customers to use our poor excuse of a software. <laughs> That's amazing. There's a different write up where one of the, I think it's one of the lawyers uh, for, uh, uh, for Pro V said, uh, like having like filed the suit, he's like, if I worked for those guys, I'd be sweating bullets. <laughs> but, you know, he's working the case. He wants to make himself seem, yeah, yeah. it's going to go well, but still. Uh, Fun stuff. <laughs> well, Speaking of, speaking of stupid decisions. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of things people hope go well. Uh, Whistle Pig's new whiskey was aged using David Ortiz's toasted baseball bats. Why not? I, look, I have no anyway? problem with doing weird gimmicky things, but how? Did they just stick a bat in a barrel? Did they make a barrel of bats? Because that doesn't seem very watertight. I'm hoping we're going to get the explanation, but if I were a betting man, it would be that they toasted it like you just toast oak. Like a marshmallow. And then threw it in the barrel. I like to imagine it's toasted like it's a marshmallow. They just, they put a barrel, they put a a, a, a bat on a, on a metal poker, they held it over the fire and rotated it, and it ended up getting too charred on one side. You Yum. have to sand off all the varnish and everything. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's that's part of the flavor, I'm sure. Let's find out. Uh, despite a three-month lockout, Major League Baseball returns next week. Yeah, next week. Sorry, I had to see when this was written. Because uh, I don't know. Dates are important uh, this week for news. <laughs> look, I'm going to say it's caused, the lockout caused a travesty in Cincinnati. Uh, where historically, like, the first game of the season for all of Major League Baseball happens at Cincinnati. And this year, that is not the case because they just, like, cut off whatever games they missed because of the lockout. So now mm -hmm. opening day will be an away game, and they're going to be having a parade and all the fanfare in Cincinnati with literally no one from the team in town. <laughs> yeah. Does the city just try, like, look, we got to make – you got to try to do something for this. Uh, they're like, no one's going to go to this. Like, no one – everyone had the day off. Like, everyone has opening day off, and the, no one's coming. They're like, no one's coming to this parade. No one's doing any of this. Yeah. Well, uh, if you're looking to for a spirit to toast the fact that the season is actually happening, uh, Whistlepig is launching a unique product that is likely to intrigue both whiskey fans and baseball fans alike. I like to think Whistlepig should have uh, the Quail Man whistle as like a logo <laughs> thing. Uh, the world's oh, said the, <laughs> the world's first toasted. Baseball bat finished whiskey. Just mm. well, give us the deets. We've seen beer aged uh, baseball bats in the past. Uh, beer aged on baseball bats in the past. I had to look this up earlier. That was Teppan. Of course, I, I do actually vaguely remember that. Uh, but Whistlepig says their new whiskey is of the first of its kind, and not only that, it's been created in partnership with recent Hall of Fame inductee David Ortiz, using wood from his signature bats. Uh, couldn't even try to do like a Louisville Slugger, at least get it closer to Kentucky. Uh, anyway, resulting Whistlepig uh, piggyback legend series, uh, Big Poppy's Barrel, is billed 
as uh, the first of three iterations of a single barrel from Legend series that is being released in partnership with Barstool Sports. This Big Poppy edition is 100% rye whiskey aged for six years in American oak before being finished six weeks in a barrel containing Ortiz's toasted uh, DO34 maple wood bats, then bottled at 96.56 proof. Okay, okay. But, <laughs> but what what I've got to know what happened to the bats? Like, are you drinking Just, varnish? Like, if you're asking anyone at the distillery, uh, this is uh, trying to see this quote. Uh, oh, this is uh, uh, Whistle Pig's blender. If you're asking anyone at the distillery, they'll tell you my signature quote is, "I'll put anything in a barrel once." This experiment was particularly fun as it brings uh, two of my favorite things together. New ground for rye whiskey and sports. Whistle Pig uh, Megan Ireland uh, said uh, the it was incredible to collaborate with David Ortiz, whose toasted maple bats add a layer of spice and caramelized notes to the bold 100 percent rye character of Whistle Pig's piggyback. I think fans of the game, regardless of teams, will find a home run in the Whistle Pig Big Poppy Barrel. Uh, Whistle Pig says that uh, it, for less than a hundred, less than a hundred barrels were produced for this bottling. Uh, the bats are f- uh, our first convection toasted in order to get the perfect toasty consistency, and then go through an extra fire toast to increase the caramelized vanilla flavors, imparting the deep flavor into the whiskey. The final trip uh, tipple is said to uh, offer a nose of fresh cinnamon. Uh, with notes of sweet caramel of caramel sweetness, followed by a powerful spicy flavors, and uh, on the pa- <clears throat> sorry on the palate with a balance of dark chocolate and maple syrups, then a lengthy finish on vanilla and caramel notes of to- from the toasted bat and the varnish because they don't tell just, you. Yeah, I guess it just toasts off with all the fire, or <laughs> it bakes in. It adds to the flavor. Gives it a glaze. Welcome. To varnish country. Uh, uh, bottles of Big Poppy are available for pre-order starting today, as of the article, uh, from uh, uh, $49.99 each. Additionally, Whistlepig says limited quality of the 750 milliliter ba- bottles uh, have been signed by David Ortiz, a.k.a. number 34, uh, with a num- uh, uh, will be available for $340, with proceeds benefiting the David Ortiz Boston uh, Heart Classic, which raises money for children in need of heart surgery. Well, that's worth it. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, nice. if you're like a baseball fan and, and like for some people, I'm sure this is awesome. I'm just like wary. If you like the <laughs> sports ball. Yeah. I mean, I like going to a baseball game. I, I've never. Do I have to care who's playing? Not really, but I enjoy being in a shaded, shaded, uh, being in the shade outdoors while uh, eating, eating ballpark food. Yeah, I like mean, hot, we all love that. He's like, I like hot dogs and beer and peanuts as I watch, you know, sit there and talk for a while in a game I don't have to pay 100% attention to. $20 nachos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the problem. Like, I, you have to go in knowing you're going to spend too much. It's like trying to, you know, eat at Disney, I guess. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> Only uh, at Disney. Or at a soccer, at a, at a uh, FC game. Disney <laughs> allows you to bring in food. Mm, that's true. You can bring in a picnic basket and have at it. You don't have to eat their food. I just thought about saying it as a picnic basket. And I was like, oh, never mind. Yogi's not Disney. <laughs> Yogi's uh, Hanna Barbera. 
Hanna-Barbera, which is owned by Viacom, was owned by Viacom. I don't know. It comes down to Universal in the end, just who <clears throat> has the theme park rights. Mm. Well, uh, you know, no, nope, you know, I had a better segue a minute ago. Let's go to let's go to some tapped yeah, lists. I was like, we're fresh out of segues on this episode. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Yeah, uh, something completely different. So, um, the most checked in beer in every state, and this is according to Untapped. So this will be read in the format of a Yakko uh, singing. I wish the state capitals. That's that's a skill I do not have. Uh, that was that was Wacko doing state oh, capitals. Yakko did uh, countries of the world. Yes, yes. Uh, circa nineteen ninety three. The best thing, yeah. I mean, the other one, they're, they're both good, obviously. Anyway, one's to the turkey and the straw, and the others to. Uh, I can't think of the tune of the other one. I know the tune, but I can't think of the name of it. But we'll go ahead, and eventually I'll just shout it out loudly. <sighs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. When Untapped launched back in 2010, its mission was to help craft beer fans connect, sharing their love for the category and, t- and touting their newest finds. Um, bloody, bloody blobs, history of the app. Um, <laughs> we know what Untapped is at this point, I think. Uh, so for the latest insights on, on basically their data, VinePair, which is where the story comes from, of course, uh, consulted Untapped for a list of the most checked-in beers over the last year in each state. So this is February 2021 to February 2022. Uh, while some states' most popular brews may not come as a surprise, like the Alchemist's famed Heady Topper. Uh, top Mexican top. hat dance. <laughs> Others were more ex- unexpected. Uh, so Texans have flocked to Pennsylvania's Yingling as of late, likely as a result of the brewery's recent westward expansion. I can uh, say if they just open distro there, that'll definitely happen. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Like I that. have issues with this just glancing. Mm. Like, there's no way. Absolutely no <laughs> way. So, okay. So let's... And, and obviously, we're, we're not going to cover every single state, I don't think, are we? I mean... Let's no, no. We're, we'll cherry pick a couple. Yeah, yeah, let's let's address the mediocre buffalo in the room. Uh, <laughs> West Six IPA is the yeah. one for Kentucky. <laughs> that mediocre hunk of crap. It's like the most common and like drinkable whatever. No, I would not agree to any of that. It, for for and, people who aren't us, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is a very popular location in in lexington to go get beer well and it's like it's all over the region and they distribute you know for them they distribute you know a lot they now have a tap room up here less than a mile away from me yeah Mm -hmm. i have walked past it and pointedly didn't even look in it i was just (laughs) like nope we we just we look straight ahead because we're not uh so i mean some of these i'm not like i don't Think because I'm not. I'm like Nebraska. Of course, this makes sense. I don't. I know nothing about any of those. Uh, I like some of these where you want to go. I wonder what they drink in Delaware. <sighs> it's dogfish. You have to be like, if it's not dogfish, what the hell is going on? But <laughs> although it will throw you off if you want to come with that cynical attitude uh, to some of the others, but I did. It's like, hey, I wonder what they drink in Michigan. Could it be? Bell's Oberon. Well, yeah. Michigan, I I feel like could have been a toss up. Um, There's a lot there, but what are they going to check into the most? It's Oberon season. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Tell me. Well, this is over the course of a year, but still. What's Wisconsin's? <laughs> Could there be a cow involved? Does it have spots? It it does. That spotted does. cow. Um, I'm actually uh, surprised that's not like every you know state that touches them <laughs> as the most <laughs> drink. Beer. Just people I, going over. I need it. So the so the ones you don't think about. So like I I just see I'm like oh that that description sounds nice and it says Stone Brewing. I was like damn it. Um after the after the news story that we just just covered, but uh, mm. West Virginia. Stone Brewing is their their jam, uh, the Buena Vesa Salt and Lime Lager, which I was yeah. like, okay. But sure. their southern neighbor is one of the only ones that it's a beer not brewed in that state. Tech Texas is one that stands out to okay, me. Okay, yeah, that. Is what... Uh, what is okay? So Texas is the Yingling, like it said. But Virginia um, has the exact same as Indiana, which is Zombie Dust from Three Floyds, and that's when I go, yeah, because yeah, solid beer. What can you? What's in Virginia? The thing was like we've had we've had zombie dust here for a while now, and I I don't get excited to see it anymore. I have to imagine they may have gotten it slightly more recently. Like I must get this now. Maybe. I mean, we get tall boys now. Like you can get like a giant can of it. It's I, I it's just all over the shelves anymore. So it's like yeah, okay. I don't even have to think about it. It's just where is bearded iris located? Because I see Tennessee. That- Okay, okay. I was like, so it's coming for, it's like, it's on Tennessee as their most checked in, but okay, that makes sense now. That is a really mm-hmm. good beer, though, to be fair. Like, What's North and South Carolina's? I'm just looking at the, the picture. Uh, North Carolina's is pernicious from Wicked Weed. Okay, and so is South Carolina's. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I see that. That's good beer. Um, And Maine's. Hey, Bissell Brothers. who to thunk? Okay, it is interesting. So Pennsylvania, where Yingling is... Not the most checked in beer. Trogues. <laughs> Trogues. No. Trogues. And I, I mean, I don't remember ever having that. I think I have, but I I don't remember I have, what it and tastes I like. Did not care for it. It's the Mad Elf. Yeah. <laughs> saying, bouncing right. around things. Um, anything else? Okay, actually, the Ohio one is interesting to me because so Great Lakes Brewing. Not surprised about that really because that's that's fair to me. Um, the Christmas ale. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, Ohio, the Christmas ale is a thing. There are people who like have to have it every year in Ohio. I did not realize until very recently that it was such a thing. But looking in beer groups at the holidays, everyone freaking out trying to find it. Wow. Real okay. quick, who, who, who's, uh, who do you think uh, Massachusetts uh, <laughs> beer is? I, I'm going <laughs> to go this? out on a limb. That it's uh, it's it's old Sam Adams, but is it the Boston Lager? It's no. the Oktoberfest. Oh well, I would say they have good taste. <laughs> that that one was more of a like a okay, we know what it's gonna be like. We know who's gonna make it, but which one is it gonna be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that could have been that could have been a lot of different things. Not a lot of like a, a, well, where is uh, Sweetwater? Because Idaho, it looks like is Sweetwater. Uh, it looks like it's the four twenty. No, Idaho, it says, is Mother Earth Brewing Company. Oh, well, then the label just looks the same. My yeah. bad. My bad. Uh, but, yeah, Pliny is for California. Yeah. yeah. That's what Shocker. So, yeah, right. some of these are straight, straightforward, and some are like, wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting list to look at. It's interesting data just generally to be like, oh, okay. Uh, who would have thought? I'm a data nerd, so... Hey, guess yeah. what Florida's That's is? That's my job now, so I'm I'm very yeah, pumped it's, about it. It's it's highlight. 
highlight. Yeah, that, that's damn crushable. It is like I mean, like they make they make some some solid, if not you know, some of their beer is a little unremarkable, but but highlight. Yeah, that's something. If it's there, I'll drink a can of that and not think twice. Yep. Hmm. All right. Well, speaking of, speaking of thinking twice about a can of something. Yep, I would definitely think three or four times. Uh, Pepsi now partnered with IHOP to introduce a limited edition maple syrup cola. Stop it. <laughs> You're going to roll up the newspaper on Pepsi and IHOP? No. Bad. I liked the tweet I saw about this story, which is how it was introduced to me, which was, craft beer, look what you have wrought upon the world. <laughs> that's, that's not wrong. Craft beer is too busy asking if they could. They're not busy enough asking if they should. Yeah. Adding to a stack of creative brand collaborations, PepsiCo and IHOP have teamed up to produce a limited edition cola available only to fans online. Pepsi Maple Syrup Cola will be available to the first 2,000 fans who respond with a photo of their pancakes and use the hashtag, hashtag, show us your stack on Instagram. Uh, I'll show you my stack. Soda incorporates the flavors of maple syrup and the soda, the company said. It comes on the heels of several other flavor innovations to have been released by Pepsi recently, including Pepsi X Peeps, a marshmallow flavor. Stop. No. No. Bad Pepsi. <laughs> bad. bad Pepsi. Uh, we do that outside. Yeah. Or Pepsi and Cracker Jack. No. Bad Pepsi. Bad. No, that could be. That's going no. somewhere. Be only because of, like, the caramel yeah, possibility. I was, yeah. No. I, I can. Okay. Because uh, uh, I'm just picturing, uh, uh, it's fine. I'm just picturing like 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 my teeth hurting. Just 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 oh, thinking yeah. about it. Oh yeah, it would well, be about, a sugary nightmare. How about Pepsi Apple Pie, which was the holiday themed soda that came and went <gasps> in 2020? I remember us talking about that. I think we yeah. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but we talked about it. No, I, we we definitely covered it on the show. Pepsi Maple Syrup okay. comes in uniquely designed cans that resemble dripping syrup. Although IHOP is credited as a creator and has its logo on the can, the drink will not be available in its restaurants. Pepsi sure. is a food service partner of IHOP. The promotion, however, could help IHOP as it recruits members to a newly launched loyalty program. The collaboration with Pepsi also includes a custom Pepsi spout uh, inspired by the iconic IHOP syrup pitchers that one winner will receive. Look, last time I went to IHOP, they don't put this out on the table anymore. It's <laughs> kind of sad. We are thrilled to partner with Pepsi to have some fun and create a moment for our guests to bring home an additional source of happiness with this limited edition Pepsi maple syrup cola. Yeah. Um, collaboration is directly from Pepsi and IHOP with PepsiCo Design Support and Creative. Blah, 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 blah. Launch will be supported through the social media channels of Pepsi and IHOP, including paid placements on Twitter. Sure. Well, there you go. <laughs> I think the can looks great. Like I'm a big fan of like however anybody does can art and stuff like that sometimes. But like, yeah, it's, no, it's stop. just it looks like a craft beer. Like first glance, I'm like, oh, that's a that's a stout. Yeah, that's a maple stout. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm picturing someone trying to do like a a, a a wax dip to make it look like maple <laughs> on your Pepsi can. Except you're like trying to get dig in there to get into the to the pull tab. God, <laughs> dude, this is the worst idea. So no, I did. <laughs> That 
that just leads to something. There is a brewery out there, and this is a good idea uh, because when you do these big pastry stouts, they because of all the adjuncts, it causes sediment, and it all <laughs> settles in the bottom of the can. Well, one place was doing uh, 12-ounce cans, and they were wax-dipping the bottoms of the cans, so you set them in the fridge upside down, which is what you're supposed <laughs> to do with stuff that can have sediment. And then you flip it right side up just like 10 minutes before you're going to enjoy it. And then it like re it moves it all back into <laughs> into position, gets yeah. it floating again. So because the wax will be sticking up, it's kind of a reminder and they put it on the bottom so that you can yeah. just flip it over. And you don't have to do like Bob was saying, like get a screwdriver out <laughs> trying to get to the pull tab. Uh, I'm just thinking like at that point, like, no, you just get a flamethrower. You just start trying to melt it. <laughs> all right. Uh, always end on the best topics. Uh, yeah. So we'd like to remind everyone, this is our news only show, but we also do a weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support have a drink, please go to patreoncom slash have a drink show. And we will see you again. I want to say in the next couple of weeks for the next live episode, but uh, yep. that's TBD right now. Um, but either way, <laughs> once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. It's not necessarily digging for news. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>